Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, we are embarking on part three of our reflections on the Nicene Creed. We are in the middle of the section that describes uh, the life and work of Christ. Mm -hmm. And actually, we just did kind of cosmic Christ stuff, right? And now we're in the the incarnation period here. Um, So let's look at that section. This, again, is the way that the creed is presented in the Book of Confessions, for the Presbyterian Church USA. You may find it presented or translated differently in your worship community. But here's what we have. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Amen. First thoughts? Well, the how it starts out for us and for our salvation uh, it took me back to what we were talking about in the first episode in this series, that God is one, that God's love for us, God's love and God's will, and the divine intention for creation does not change. You know, God has not just created us and abandoned us to evil and physical decay, but Christ Mm -hmm. comes to fulfill the divine intention for us. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I was thinking about was I mentioned, I think in that first episode, God's responsibility to creation, that God is responsible for creation and God intends to fulfill that responsibility. I mean, for me, that's grace. I mean, I know we talk, we talk about grace in terms of unmerited favor, mm-hmm. but that's, obvious and somewhat trivial mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you yeah. know i mean how are we going to put god in debt to us in any way um, <laughs> the fulfillment of the divine intention cannot be fulfilled unless god does it mm. uh, but at any rate those were kind of you know for us and for our salvation all of this is happening which takes me back to god's you know immutable love for us Well, that's just, that's just beautiful and well said. I was so ready for you to, to decide to riff on, he came down from heaven. Well, yeah, I've got, I've got riffs on that too. Well, let's hear them. (laughs) Well, number one, I was taking it line by line. Number one, that is probably not a physical descent. I'm convinced it's not. Right. Uh, it's a metaphysical descent, right? It's a descent from divinity, fr- from the divine realm, whatever that is, and we don't really know a thing about it, into this physical realm with divinity intact, 
Um, and of course, the other thing that comes to mind here for me is kenosis. Yeah. He became like us so that we can become like him. The right. ancient Christian principle. I think, I think it's more helpful to me. And even the, these other metaphors I'm about to use are also in some ways directional. I don't think mm -hmm. they're quite as problematic for some of us as like down, like heaven being up or being down, but yeah. the idea of him lowering himself. Okay. The fact that it's, <laughs> here's another one beneath uh, kind of the dignity of God to come down, you know, the, those sorts of, I know you're just smiling at me. Like it's actually getting worse. <laughs> Well, no, the, what came to mind was the old one, uh, condescended. Oh, yeah. Is con the divine condescension. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I do think that's it's such an important point to remember, to think of that not as a, f a change in physical location, but a change mm -hmm. in... Oh. Ooh, do I want to? I don't think I want to say change of being. <laughs> no, change of. Uh, I like metaphysical descent, but that doesn't really say much. <laughs> no, but it's got to be a lowering of oneself in some way. I mean, even if the infinite becoming a particular person in time and space is a descent of sorts. Yeah. Maybe it's best not to say any more about that. <laughs> Maybe it's best for me not to say any more about that. Well, it's just so, so hard to say anything. <clears throat> yeah. Was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. I mean, to me, that just drives home the point that he's fully divine, fully human. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, my mind immediately goes to Mary as the Theotokos. Uh, mm -hmm. And also representative of human spirituality. You know, when she says to the angel, may it be as you say. Right. Um, and then my mind goes to Meister Eckhart. and He's always talking about the word being born in us like Mary. But yeah, this willingness and openness to... Well, I mean... <clears throat> We are created to be indwelt by the divine. Yeah. Our destiny is to become like Christ, not just to become morally like Christ, but I mean, as a being, the fulfillment of our being is for humanity and divinity to be united in us in some significant way. Yeah. His inhumanation. I don't know why I wrote that down, but is, did I make that up? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> it's inhumanation. <laughs> Incarnation always kinds of it reminds me of uh, enfleshment, and I don't like that language. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because he becomes more than just wrapped in human flesh. He becomes human. Right. But for what it's worth. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. You did, there's always part of me here that's like, poor Pontius Pilate. <laughs> this guy, the one <laughs> historical figure in this whole, well, other than Christ. Uh, 
the person who yeah okay so the benefits of that is it sets us in a particular time and place right so this is as you say an historical person and historical event it's actually excruciatingly and terrifyingly specific to me yes (laughs) for pilot (laughs) but yes but and pilot memorialized here with otherwise probably would have been lost to history with the rest of local rulers nobody cared about (laughs) and uh we shall scorn him forever. <laughs> but we don't. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, he's just a fallible human. I feel bad for Pontius, kind of like I do for Judas. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast, I guess. Okay, so I have a lot to say here. Okay, please. Stuff that you and I have discussed. Number one atonement theories that Mm -hmm. see the the crucifixion as divine wrath poured out on the sun or an act of divine retribution should just be flat out rejected um recapitulation where christ is realigning humanity and creation according to the divine intention beautiful but certainly a victory and i'm kind of jumping the gun here but this what i like to refer to as incarnational power revealed in the apparent weakness in fact shows us unsurpassable power that he submits to death to swallow it up in divinity Mm -hmm. but the other thing that came to mind was the cross exposes the utter uselessness of force Mm -hmm. as a means of divine transformation Um, And the tendency among what I'll call cultural Christians, Christians who seem to be more informed by culture than Christ, to embrace force as a means of transformation is an utter denial of the power of the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to Pilate, when Jesus is being interrogated by Pilate, you know, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, using this counterfactual, if it were, my followers would be using force to remedy this situation. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. And then he says, I came to bear witness. I mean, right after that, he says, I came to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And when I think about the historical tendency, particularly in the early centuries of the church, for Christians that rejected force and violence as a tool of the kingdom, tells me they interpreted the cross in that way. Um, and we've just gotten way, way away from that idea. Does any of that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. I'm sorry. The thing, yeah, it does. And I very much agree with what you said. And uh, I probably should be saying more about how much I agree with it. <laughs> but you and I keep talking about these things. And so there's part of me that's yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it's still, it's such, I think it's a point that bears repetition because of its importance. I'm staring though at the um, creed and I find it remarkable that it doesn't really lift up any sort of explanation Mm -hmm. here, 
you know, or talk about atonement at all. What it does maintain is the agency of God, right? I mean, it's still for our sake. For our sake, right. So a choice that God has made, some Christ has made for our benefit, mm-hmm. right? Um, that he's crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered death, and was buried. Uh, so it's something that Christ has submitted to, but then it doesn't it doesn't even do, you know, what you might expect from the early churches, mm. kind of the Christus Victus Victor stuff or anything. Yeah. It's just this is this is what happened and it was for our benefit and like kind of moving on. I mean, that's a good point because what it's asserting is just a brute fact. It's saying this is a this is what we, we believe, this fact of history. Yeah. And it doesn't explain it. No. Which maybe that's that's a good point to take that <clears throat> our faith is in, in the fact itself and not our interpretations of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we preach Christ crucified and resurrected, you know, and then the rest of it. Good gosh. You know, uh, and I don't look, you know how much I love speculative theology. <laughs> I oh, <yeah>. do. <laughs> oh yeah. But, there's some points here where it is, you know, to say, you know, it kind of is what it is. And to pretend that we can get into the inner workings of God's mind <laughs> yeah, and figure good. out like how this math works is, yeah. is wild, you know, is the ultimate, uh, I think, exhibition of human hubris, you know, yeah. <laughs> to be like, yeah. oh, here, we'll just source this out. Now, something that I don't really care about here, but on the other hand, I guess if we're just kind of stating the facts, <laughs> mm-hmm. ma'am, um, you know, there's nothing about the life of Christ here. Yes. In and terms of what he did and what he taught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of those things, he's incarnate. He's on the cross. There's yeah. a whole middle section kind of missing there but of course we have diverse witnesses and in you know within the gospel accounts that sometimes go here and sometimes don't and what of those stories would you pick but i think this is probably right for a creed and for an ecumenical creed in particular because everyone could sign on or should Mm -hmm. be able to sign on to just the bare bones facts on the other hand, like I'm just thinking uh, again about our about our like nothing but the blood folks or whatever who really are so dismissive, not even dismissive. That would be paying too much attention, actually, to the actual <laughs> life work and words of Christ. It's yeah. just not on the radar. You know, it's just a... Uh, Maybe that's too much, but it, it seems like just a very transactional theology there where the, the teachings don't matter. The way of life doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It is absent, all of that. One thing I was thinking about that he suffered death and was buried is that he goes through the depths, the nadir of human experience to redeem all forms of suffering, including death. Mm. Uh, on the third day he rose again and here I'm going to 
go back to you know the whole victory thing. Well, one thing I, I I wrote down was the force of evil is shown to be impotent in relation mm-hmm. to the God of life, the mutability of divine love and divine intention for creation. But also going back to what you're just saying, it vindicates all that Jesus taught and did his resurrection. You know, it's like the divine stamp of approval. You know, if we ask, why should we follow what Jesus taught us to do? The resurrection is a validation of his way. Mm-hmm. Um, as counterintuitive as it might seem that, you know, this is the way to life. So here's a, here's a, in accordance with the scriptures, what, what scriptures do you think it's referring to there? We think in general, it gives legitimacy to the function of the scriptures as a witness to Christ. But, and it's, you know, I think this comes, even Paul says, you know, he died and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And I'm like, what scripture are you referring to? I've got some candidates here. Do you? Oh, okay. <laughs> you, I don't have to just try to do this on the fly. <laughs> no. So one possibility might be Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. I'll read it right quick. Uh, I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure for you do not give me up to shale or let your faithful one see the pit. You show okay. me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy. I can get on board with that. The other one, and this is maybe even more so, that maybe folks like Paul had in mind was Hosea 6, 1 through 2. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has rent, but he will heal us. He has struck us, but he will bind our wounds. He will revive us after two days. On the third day, he will raise us up to live in his presence. Mm. I've got one. Okay. Uh, it's the one that Jesus uses in Matthew 12. Jonah? Where, yeah. Where he says, just as Jonah was in the whales three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Which is fascinating because that's not the one, you know, if if Jesus, ooh, whoops, I'm going to say something really dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> if Jesus hadn't have said that. Probably wouldn't have made that connection. No. But, but I, wouldn't have made I would have been digging through Isaiah. I would have been mm. in the Psalms, you know, the places that you're looking. And but that's the connection that Jesus makes. It's also interesting to me that out of Isaiah, all the Gospels, you know, there's plenty of places where Jesus quotes snippets of scripture for mm-hmm. different uses. <clears throat> but story wise, uh, you know, we have kind of Mo- as Moses lifted up the serpent, we have this allusion to Jonah. Yeah. I mean, Some... I was going to say the the serpent one, I wouldn't have made the connection that he does either. Yeah. He's like really into typology, <laughs> typographical oh, yeah. allegories there. But, um, and of course, that's you know, that's where the early interpreters got their penchant for allegorical they're like well if he can make turn that into representing the cross well then i can you know use whatever you know what i mean yeah 
But Jonah ends up being you know, this image that we see in the catacombs and elsewhere for resurrection for the early church. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That would be wild if that's would be part of what these folks were thinking about in the creed. Or they're thinking about all of these, all of these three days, two days, three nights, whatever um, mm-hmm. instances. But that that's the one that that Jesus points to to talk about how long he'll be in the earth and raised again. Well, doesn't Paul yeah. use that phrase in accordance with the scripture? He was raised on a third day in accordance with the scripture. Uh, I think so, but I, yeah. you know, what I, I always, when I see that in accordance with the scripture, I, I always think of, I'll, my first thought is Gospel of Matthew, you know, mm-hmm. and particularly around like the, you oh, know, okay. nativity stories where it's just, mm-hmm. you know, why did they go to Egypt? Why are they going over here? Why is right. this happening? You know, according yeah. to scripture, um, even, you know, the Palm Sunday, like, why does he need a donkey and a cold? <laughs> why right. does he need, you know, because of scripture? So do you think the reference in the creed is just to the third day or just all of Oh, it? to the rising? Yeah. Well, it can be all of those things. I mean, like you're talking about, you're looking for third days rising, some kind of transformation. Yeah, I mean, they're they're quoting right from Paul when he says, you know, I've passed on what I received as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Well, that's not quite the same thing, though, is it? No. Well, he says he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was raised on a third day according to the scriptures. But yeah, I like the Jonah reference. That's good, because that's like you say, that's just exactly what Jesus uses. So what about he ascended into heaven? He went up. He went up. Yeah. So then we have this inversion or this sort of, uh, gosh, I don't, I, I don't want to say reclamation, but maybe re-exhibition of power. I mean, he's returned to the seat of power, the seat of glory mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So nothing is lost through right. the incarnation. You know, he he went back with everything he came with. You know, yeah, he returns um, from where he came with humanity and total or all creation, maybe even. Yeah, but there's there's no loss of divinity, or the divinity hasn't been mired the, in any way. The idea that he's seated at the right hand, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's, yeah. He goes he goes back to where he came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, goes, he goes back to where he came from and it's the place where he still belongs that's what i'm yeah. trying to that there's nothing injured in him it's uh, all of that power mm-hmm. uh remains and what pontius pilate <laughs> and others <laughs> tried to do to him was for naught was absolutely yeah. for naught it's not just conquered death but conquered death with no injury and no loss to his person and nothing but gain for us out of that action. Yeah. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. What I think is maybe most interesting about this is, you know, we've talked before about 
the differing kind of views or opinions in scripture around the afterlife and Mm -hmm. judgment and whatnot. And, and how a lot of that is at odds with what people say around the loss of loved ones, et cetera, which never, there's never any point in arguing with uh, any of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, here we have something presented that seems more in accord with the the notion that when we are dead we sleep and say more the oh yeah view right and then there's a a general resurrection uh for this judgment you know at the return of christ that interim period between death and general resurrection yeah Y'all had to go back in our podcast and listen to those. Then <laughs> his kingdom shall have no end. I mean, here's where, I mean, I, I take the judgment as revealing all that's right and all that is not for the purposes of setting all things right. And so when we get to his kingdom shall have no end, I take that. That well, is it First Corinthians fifteen when it says he will all um, he's the first fruits and everything all the powers uh, will be subjected to him. The last one to be defeated, destroyed is death, and then he essentially hands the kingdom over to the first person. <clears throat> I mean. For him to be Lord over all means, and here's where I'm going with this, is particularly that all noetic or rational creatures will submit willingly in obedience to him. The restoration of all things, kind of the every knee will bow, every tongue confess kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the fulfillment of the divine intention for creation. It's success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his kingdom will have no end because there's nothing that can threaten that kingdom. Right, the right? end of evil. Real right. or imaginary or without or within. Yeah, right? there you go. Um, and this, the establishment of that kingdom is not at this final judgment, right? It's already happened. She said with a lift at the end of her voice. That's yeah, a question. <laughs> kind of the both, both now and not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. You know what? I was just talking about this yesterday. That we have to remember from that God is eternal, that God is not bound by time and space. So from God's perspective, everything's completed. The consummation is fulfilled. Right. You know, Paul will often say, this is how things stand. You have been adopted in the family of God. You have been recreated in Christ. Um, then he'll turn around and say, now live into that reality, which sounds counterintuitive. If everything's established, why do we live into it? But we're in time and space. We're going through what God already sees completed, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is helpful to remember that from God's perspective, the good work that God has begun in us is finished. Right. Right. Which is also why things like the, Magnifica, Mary's song, is in the past tense, right? Uh, He has thrown down the proud. He has sent the rich empty away. 
Um, although we look around and <laughs> do not see evidence not of see that. that. Yeah. But it's such a sure thing that you might as well talk about it as though it's already occurred. Right. Because although it doesn't seem to have occurred temporally, it has occurred eternally or right. outside of time in, in God's realm and God's mind. Maybe this kingdom language gives us a little hope, though, about that that section of Christ, that section of Christ's life that kind of gets skipped, right? Because the knowledge of what the kingdom is is his teachings. Does have to refer to his teachings. Oh yeah, good point. And how that kingdom will be radically different from the kingdoms of this world. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. And uh, and also indescribable, <laughs> except through tiny little little stories that make very little sense. <laughs> Jesus, what's the kingdom of heaven going to be like? So if you took a mustard seed, <laughs> just tell me, just tell me. Can we have a lecture, please, Jesus? This man has never just answered a question straight in his life. Just facts, man. <laughs> You're supposed to be the word of God, the logos, the <laughs> architect of all creation, the fiber of knowledge, and you cannot get a sentence together. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I joke. A joke, Lord. Of course. <laughs>